Welcome in to episode 99 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. And surprise, we have another random episode of the Sources Say Podcast coming your way with none, none other than Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? Doing well today, Jack. How are you? Oh, I'm just doing fantastic because it it feels like we're getting a little bit of clarity in the in the Kentucky backcourt finally after uh, going into the month of May. It kind of feels like we are approaching, you know, some level of of uh, you know getting some answers for, for you know for the first time of what Kentucky's backcourt may look like. We know that. Uh, C.J. Frederick is officially added. We know that Kellen Grady is a, a part of the roster. We know Dame, uh, um, Dante Allen is back. But we're still big old goose egg at the point guard position. But, Sean, I think we're under the assumption that that is going to be changing in the very near future. Is that correct? As it stands right now, from what we're hearing, yes. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so we're at the Iverson Classic on Saturday, Jack, and obviously we're – Focused on Ty Ty Washington. We know that that commitment date is set for the 15th. It was going to be May 12th tomorrow. And then it quickly got switched to the 15th, uh, which I know you talked to uh, Ty Ty. Did he give you a reason for that before we get into this? Did he give uh, the, you anything in that interview? The change of, of the commitment date? Yeah. Yes. He said, he said uh, I realized that May 12th was a Wednesday and I didn't want to commit on a Wednesday. I'm graduating on Friday. My, my graduation ceremony is on Friday, so I wanted to have my own individual ceremony at my high school at, on Saturday afternoon or morning. He hasn't officially decided the, the exact time yet or where it's going to be out publicly, you know, if it's going to be live streamed on you know, ESPN or wherever. He, that, that part hasn't been nailed down. I talked to his dad and his uncle about the timeline of events and, and kind of the, the how it's going to be done. They just, and I asked him, why, would, why didn't you guys want to get it over with uh, at the Iverson Classic, you know, where there would be a spotlight on him and those sorts of things. And they were like, well, it's nine ninety nine to watch watch the game uh you, you have to pay for it and we didn't want to you know kind of we wanted a lot of people to have their eyes on it whether it be just a little press conference at our school or whatever we just didn't want it to be a paid we wanted friends and family to be able to watch if they couldn't tune in in, in person and not make them pay for it so uh so that was the reasoning for pushing it back and not doing well, it at the iverson classic and then obviously pushing it back from from wednesday to saturday so while we're there at the iverson classic you know, we're we're walking around. You're you're talking to people. I'm talking to people. I, I think sometimes we talk to the same people <laughs> a couple of yep. times. But as as the night went on, obviously the the talk was about Ty Ty Washington and what Kentucky was going to continue to do with its backcourt. We've known about Severe Wheeler for a a week or longer now. I mean, ever since well, he cut his list right before we got to Iverson. But then we knew that Kentucky was involved the weeks leading up to that. But Jack, as, as it kind of went along, I, I think a lot of people assumed that Kansas is kind of leading out in front for this. Uh, I know Oklahoma State obviously had some buzz. I know Oklahoma State already has a pretty solid roster returning, so I know that was – but he would make them better. He, I think he makes any team that he goes to better, but it was Saturday night when I was told Kansas was the school. Mm -hmm. But then we went into Sunday, and I talked to someone else, and they said not so fast. Kentucky might be leading this one. And it could be getting done quicker than what everybody thinks. Right. Um, so 
I put that out last night on Twitter that someone told me to keep close, pay close attention to Severe Wheeler and Kentucky. And, and Jack, it, I said this a week or so ago when we were recording the Coach O and talking about Chin and everything, and I hadn't watched much tape on Wheeler because I really didn't think that that's where Kentucky was going. I think a lot of us thought that maybe Kentucky was a, an option for Wheeler maybe beyond one or two. And Marcus Carr, we know, was right there, we thought was at the top. But the, the, the truth of this thing is, Jack, we didn't really know what Kentucky was doing with all these guys in the transfer portal. We didn't have reported offers or things like that. It was just Kentucky's reached out. So we didn't really know who target number one, two, three, four, five was. But I think that it's getting to a point now where, John Calipari, you cannot sit on your hands here and just wait and hope somebody goes into the portal. Or – hope somebody withdraws from the draft and they become available in June, maybe even July. You can't put yourself in that position and then have to go take a reclass right before the semester begins. So if you get Tata Washington, like we all expect them to do, Wheeler is the guy that kind of fits what you have in the backcourt. He's a guy that can get in the lane, led the SEC in assist at 7.4 per game last season. It, it only makes sense because of the pieces Kentucky has those shooters the other pieces, sure, people are talking about his turnovers and stuff at Georgia, but he's going to be playing with better players at Kentucky and probably be asked to do less, honestly. But he's a guy that can get in the lane when he wants. For his size, Jack, I've watched tape on him. He's crafty. He, he understands how to finish with that size. Uh, but I think Kentucky's backcourt, we could be sitting here a week from now talking about uh, Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington leading the point guard spot. And what I said, if you remember the other day, I was under the assumption that Ty Ty Washington was going to be the lead guard with the ball in his hands and whoever Kentucky got from the portal would have to be able to play off the ball alongside him. Well, we discovered Saturday, Ty Ty Washington to me is just as good off the basketball as he is with the basketball. So then I changed my mindset and thinking, okay, I need to be looking at some different guards here from the portal because they don't have to be able to play off the ball. They might be the primary ball handler. Ty-Ty play off the ball, on the ball when the other option's not on the floor. So that got me looking at other options, and that's when I started digging with the severe, severe Wheeler stuff. And, Jack, it all signs point to it right now that Kentucky might have its backcourt locked in. Yeah, and we talked about on on the last show. So you know who I talked to, somebody that would absolutely know the ins and outs of, of this situation, uh, told me about the Jose Alvarado situation and basically said, look, um, you know, this is a kid that I think is kind of struggling with his decision. He has his name in the NBA draft right now. He signed with it and an agent, but it was one of those NCAA verified agents. So he could return to, he could return to school if he decided to do so. Um, and they said, if he comes back and, signs are kind of pointing that way right now that he's going to end up pulling his name out of the draft that it's going to be either Kentucky or St. John's and Kentucky has a, a significant advantage right now even though St. John's is a local school they kind of they're kind of selling they they would hope to sell him on being the uh you know lo local homegrown talent you can be the face of our program and kind of lead us to you know unprecedented territory those sorts of things uh but you know there was a lot of talk that, the, that he was very interested if if he decided to come back he wants to play for national championship he he had that competitive edge and wanted to compete for a title um and so that's kind of kind of why when we talked about on, on our last show that it would make a whole lot of sense that yeah he's leaning toward leaning toward coming back and that Kentucky would probably be the favorite if if they did um but 
I think that process, there's so many things that have to happen in order for that to happen. You know, first he has to pull his name out of the draft, you know, and, and you don't know, we could be still waiting another month or two before that's the case. Then he has to put his name in the portal. Then he has to, you know, go through the process, talk to schools and all that. And was Cal really going to risk, you know, yeah, Jose Alvarado would be like, you know, would be a, an awesome fit for Kentucky, perfect situation. But was Cal willing to wait until July to get his backcourt finalized when, uh, as, as we said on last uh, yesterday's show, the freshmen are planning on arriving on campus on May 29th. We are literally less than three weeks away from the freshmen arriving and, and, you know, trying to get these kids on campus. Cal talked over and over again about how they didn't have enough time with each other and the chemistry wasn't there. Cal is really focused on team building and bonding and chemistry and those sorts of things after uh, the, the just disaster of a season that happened last year. So I, I never got the sense that Cal was like, you know, if he had to wait for a Marcus Carr who officially put his name in the portal yesterday, if he had to wait for a, you know, one of those guys, then yeah, so be it. But I think he was really pushing toward getting these, getting this roster locked up, kind of getting a, a, a firm grasp on what this team is going to look like next year and get them on campus as fast as possible. And I think that, uh, you, you know, they kind of looked at this Xavier Wheeler situation and kind of said, you know, this is a kid that, it, you know, if we get Ty Ty Washington as we are anticipating, I think all signs are, like you said, all signs are pointing, pointing toward that. You now have pure shooters in Ty Ty Washington, C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, Kellen Grady, and then we haven't even discussed about the possibility of Don, uh, of Davion Mintz returning. Still don't know about that. I think st- I still think uh, he's back and forth up in the air on that. Everybody I've talked to said that he's he's not there yet for a decision. Um, but when you have those complementary shooting pieces around you and those scorers around you, you can take a chance on a pure playmaker and facilitator, somebody that led the SEC in assisted turnover ratio, uh, led the SEC in assists, a guy that didn't have a lot of talent around him at Georgia and didn't have a lot of shooters around him at Georgia where he felt the need to have the ball in his hands and dribble the air out of the ball and just try to make plays for himself. So of course turnovers are going to be high. Of course, you know, he's going to try to make something out of nothing, something out of nothing and, and make mistakes as a result. So I think that's kind of been, you know, the, the pushback from Kentucky fans on that is, well, you know, look at his turnover numbers. The dude can't score. He, you know, he can't shoot. He can't do this. He can't do that. I think they're forgetting the fact that this is a second-team All-SEC player who is widely known as one of the best playmakers in college basketball. When you have shooting and scoring talent around you the way that Cal has built this roster, especially if and when Ty Ty Washington makes it official on Saturday, adding a guy like Xavier Wheeler is the – you're able to take a chance on something like that. You know, there are people talking about, like, oh, if if they go through with a backcourt of Xavier Wheeler and – uh, Ty Ty Washington, it feels like we're getting, uh, you know, second round exit vibes. It's going to be, you know, they're going to be round of 32. It's, it's going to be a, re, a repeat of last year. That's nonsense because Cal has, has handpicked this roster to make sure a situation like last year d- doesn't happen or the years before. He has an anchor in the front court and, and, um, and Oscar Sheboy, he has a returning talent in Jacob Toppin. Lance Ware, he's confident in him. D- Damian Collins, we talked about him on last uh, on yesterday's show. 
Uh, obviously a work in progress, not a, a, a polished product in the slightest, definitely has some work to do, but he's going to be a, a he's going to come in and at least make some level of impact in that front court. You could feel confident about the, about the Kentucky front court. Uh, you know, you like the wings, you like, you know, the Bryce Hopkins of the world. There are a lot of really solid pieces rounding the roster, star talent rounding the roster. You can, you can have a Savir Wheeler in the backcourt. You can have him starting at point guard or, uh, like you said, we were so comfortable after watching Ty Ty Washington play where, I mean, it is, it, it, it literally felt like a repeat of Emmanuel quickly from, from his freshman year and sophomore year where Cal used him very, very, you know, predominantly at the, as an off ball shooter, as a kind of a catch and shoot guy his first year. And then when he got more comfortable with the ball in his hands, kind of stretching things out and being kind of that one or two or even three at times. And we saw Ty Ty play in the three uh, at various points throughout the, the Iverson classic and the whole weekend. So there's just so much versatility and so much, you know, shooting and scoring help and, and pieces in the front court that Sean, I don't, I really don't understand the gripe in adding a player like Xavier Wheeler. And that's something, you know, I've talked to him a couple times in the past, you know, I, I did a long uh, feature interview with him and he said, all I care about right now, he said, if it takes one more year to come back to school and do and, and prove that I'm an NBA talent, make the right decision for me and ultimately achieve my dreams of playing in the NCAA tournament, reaching the final four, playing for the national championship. I'll do that before moving on to the NBA level. This is a kid that all he cares about is winning. He wants to go to a place where he can win. He can show that he can be an NBA talent and what better place to do that than, you know, as, as one of the best playmakers in the ACC with a bunch of shooters around you and, and front court help and, you know, players to, uh, you know, rim run for you like Damian Collins or Jacob Toppin to, you know, give you putback dunks, alley-oop attempts, you know, clean up opportunities with Lance Ware, Bryce Hopkins. There's, there's just a lot of things that Cal's able to throw at you with this roster that, uh, Sean, I, I really, I don't understand the gripe with, with, with Xavier Wheeler. I, I do think that uh, the more you look at the, all of the pieces combined, if they had added him first, maybe I would have been a little bit more uncomfortable with that. But yeah. considering the, 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 big landscape of everything and the, the overall picture. I just don't know how you can complain about the addition of Xavier Wheeler. No, and that's why I'm admitting what I said a week ago. You know, and I've had people say, well, you're only changing your mind because that's who we're getting now. No, not really. I, I changed my mind because I finally took the time to turn on the tape and watch him. And it makes sense now. It didn't make sense to me 10 days ago when I was looking at the roster and kind of like, okay, is this where Kentucky goes? But now that we're getting the feel that Tata Washington will join as well, then it kind of makes sense to me because now it fits. I, I see Tata playing off the ball. I see Tata playing on the ball. And I see Wheeler doing what he did at Georgia. Jack, this is a guard. Yeah, he's, he's not listed. I mean, what, 5'10 yeah. is what I think he's listed at. But, you know, he plays bigger than 5'10, uh, weighs 180 pounds. He's strong. He's crafty. Looking at his stats, he's a double-double machine from the point guard spot. We're talking assist right down here, uh, 13 assists a game, 10 assists against Alabama, 13 assists against LSU, uh, nine assists against Vandy. Here's 10 assists against Florida, 10 against LSU. He had seven assists against Kentucky. I mean, the list goes on and on. He even had a triple-double late in the season against LSU. Yep. He had 14, uh, 14, 11, and 13. First in program history, I believe. Yeah, and the rebounding numbers. So just running down the list here for a guard that's 5'10 that plays bigger than a spot. Uh, and we know last year, too, how many times Kentucky had guards that couldn't get rebounds and stuff. And you're, you're talking about here, seven boards, 11 boards. Here's a game with nine. Here's another game 
uh, with seven. I mean, he rebounds his position well for his size. Uh, steals stand out to me too, Jack. Right here late in the season, here's a game against Alabama. He had three steals. He had five against Florida, three against Alabama again, three against Missouri. Sure, the turnovers are, are concerning. I mean, there's games of seven. There's another game of seven, two of five. But I just feel like if he gets around better players and more efficient players, like the shooters that Kentucky's brought in, that can space the floor, gets in a system, we know that John Calipari is not going to stand for a guard that turns the ball over a ton. Yeah, so if yeah. John Calipari doesn't see a problem with adding that to his roster, I have to kind of trust that Cal and the staff see that those turnover issues can be fixed at Kentucky. Uh, his shooting and stuff uh, improved as far as two-point percentage as the season went along last year. And, uh, but three-point percentage, he took 3.1 threes per game, shot 22.5%. But with what Kentucky has off the ball, if if he does indeed end up finishing this thing out and comes to Kentucky, like we're hearing, then these pieces off the ball, I think, make life easier on Wheeler to the point that he doesn't have to do as much as he did. He's I don't see him having to play 38, 40 minutes a game at Kentucky the way he did at Georgia. Because if Tata Washington's there, you know Tata's going to play some point guard. We know Kellen Grady has some experience around the point guard. So it puts somebody in a different situation. And uh, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily sitting here saying that it's like a national championship backcourt. Right. But I'm not, I was, I was against it 10 days ago. But the more I sat back and looked, the more I thought it made sense just given what Kentucky has. And when you turn on the tape and you see what he does well, I think that Kentucky has a plan here. I, I think fans need to, get off of basketball reference or, you know, ESPN and, and just looking at the pure numbers and turn on the film and watch him play because at his best, he does something better than Kentucky had at all last season. Like, I mean, but it wasn't even close. He, the way he's able to beat you off the dribble and, and make plays, he's strong. He finishes through players at the rim. Uh, you know, yes, his shot isn't there, but he's crafty. He's crafty with the ball in his hands. He's crafty getting to the basket. Uh, he's, he's a creative interior scorer. And, uh, and you just, you're, you're able to sacrifice knowing that you have that something that Kentucky desperately needed this last year. You're able to sacrifice the shooting. And I, I'll tell you, every conversation I had with him um, leading up to this moment, and I'll obviously get in touch with him, you know, leading up to his decision and then afterward, um, you know, he kept talking about like, yeah, I, I, do you guys think that I just want to be a 22% three-point shooter my whole career? Like, do you think that uh, – like, I look at that and NBA teams are like, oh, well, you know, he's fine. He, you know, he still does all this other stuff that great. You can, say, you can live with 22.5%. Like, no, that's unacceptable. And he knows that, and that's something that he has said that, like, that is the one thing that he's working on. And let's kind of keep in mind that he also shot, you know, pushing 30%. Uh, as a freshman at Georgia as well. So let's not – I mean, yes, he had a – this was his first year where he had to kind of take things over and make the team his own and with a, not a lot of scoring help, not a lot of shooting help around him where he felt the need to kind of do it all by himself. And that includes scoring and, and kind of forcing shots and doing things of that nature. But when you can kind of take a step back and realize, oh, like I don't have to take this four shot in transition. I don't have to take this, you know, three seconds left on the shot clock, hand in my face three, because I'm the only player on the team that can take it. Like you, you got to realize that the situation called for him to be a forced 
you know, force a situation more often than not. When when he's at Kentucky with uh, alongside as as many shooting you know shooting threats around him, where he can kind of take a step back and just be that pure you know court just you know that 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 floor general that distributor uh, that that is a perfect fit given the other pieces like we we talked about like you know Marcus Carr would be a great fit just because he he could kind of do it all by himself uh you, you know going down the hill going down the list Jaden Hardy is a guy that could do it all by himself it would just be you know a guy that can just kind of take the game over by himself Xavier Wheeler showed that at times but UK is not bringing him in to be that player. So fans that are kind of assuming like, oh, well, he's, you know, running, he's going to be running the show for Kentucky. He's going to be the lead guard. It's not going to be as, as cut and dry as that if, that if this is how it unfolds. It's going to be a – Cal looks at this as Savir as, as a puzzle piece, a single puzzle piece as part of a, you know, multi-set, larger, grand-scale puzzle that – I think it, it's a lot of pieces that have to fit together, but that's something that Cal said that I'm going into this offseason looking for fits. I'm looking for the right fit. And Cal, and, and that's something or, Orlando Antigua said when he during his introductory press conference. That's what Chin Coleman said just today on KSR. It's what he said earlier this week talking to the media. They said that we are looking for the right fits to bring into this program. And considering what UK has elsewhere – Savir Wheeler is a fantastic fit. And I don't know, I, I don't know how you can argue against that outside of, you know, yeah, you can gripe about 22 and a half percent from three and four plus turnovers a game. I get that. But well, who do you want throwing the ball to the shooters? Do you want another shooter throwing it to the shooters? Or do you want someone exactly. that can distribute uh, and get the ball? And, and that's the thing. Like, I, I admit it. Like, I got so caught up in Kentucky needing to add shooter, 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 shooter all across the board. But I changed my mind once I saw that, I mean, you can have all the C.J. Fredericks you want and the Dante Allens you want, but if you don't have a guard that can break things down and get in the paint, then what the hell does it matter exactly. who you have out there shooting the basketball? It's like Ashton Hagens. What made Ashton Hagens so good at Kentucky was his defensive ability and his ability to create turnovers and lockdown uh, on the defensive end, but it was also the pieces you had around him when you had shooters Ashton could do his thing. Now, did at times, Ashton went overboard. But that's what made him valuable. I think that Kentucky now has even better shooters on this roster that I think that's what makes sense for Wheeler when you, when you look at this. And I think that that's what makes it appealing if he does indeed end up at Kentucky. Now we're you know, talking timeline here. Uh, yeah, I know you tweeted earlier that it could end, could end up having the backcourt by the end of the week or the weekend. I agree with that 100% from what I heard last night. Uh, this thing could be getting done quickly if all goes as planned. Uh, I know some others are now putting that stuff out too. Uh, it kind of went quiet with Wheeler. He cut his list. I don't think last Friday when he cut his list, Jack, that any of us in UK media really sat there and thought, well, that's the guy Kentucky's going to get. Right. Until conversations I had last night and then it started becoming a thing and now that we're kind of getting closer to – those days that we think something could break or be announced. And then I expect it, honestly, if it comes out, I expect it to go the same way Frederick and Grady did. I don't see just a commitment date or something like that. I see it coming out just out of nowhere on an afternoon somewhere just being like, hey, so-and-so is transferred to Kentucky. It's kind of what happened with Grady. Same thing happened with Frederick. That's the way Kentucky has worked this offseason. We know that Tata Washington will announce Saturday the 15th. The question is now, who's the final piece? 
is does Tata go or or is it Wheeler or is it flipped? But I think that I, I feel like Kentucky is going to have a string here of where you get commitment, commitment, and then John Calipari is going to do his whole swaggy thing that he does like he did after Ashton Higgins and E.J. Montgomery back-to-back days and was like, how'd you enjoy breakfast? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the kind of setup. We, we know the PR, and you want to get your program out there in a positive light, especially – uh, the way Kentucky's season went this past season. Now it's been positive, positive, positive. You get two more positives possibly, and then you just kind of go all in on Keon Brooks. And you say, look, I'm not taking another forward. You're the guy we want back here. And then what you do is you're you're a guy away, and you look at Davion Mintz and say, look, just make your decision when you want. But there's a spot for you if you do want to come back to Kentucky. If not, maybe they don't use that scholarship. Maybe they look elsewhere. And I don't know. And and I'll I'll uh, we'll end it here shortly. But I want to go back to what Savier's um, he put out that long video where he broke down his four finalists. And I want to go back to what he said and kind of kind of dissect those quotes here for a second. Going off what he told me in the past, how his biggest priority right now is to go win a national. If he if he pulls his name out of the draft, this is a guy that he wants uh, that he wants to go win a national title. And let me say this, this is what his dad said. Uh, It was a back and forth conversation, but he said, one, I think he can pull something out. He can coach you to a level, hold you accountable because of his respect level, what you're going to get, because you know he's coached that many pros and point guards. I think he's got some insight for you and all that. I think he's going to give you the freedom in the midst of the system to figure it out. I think there's a benefit to that. I think there's a value uh, to having that level of accountability. I think he'll adjust accordingly. Uh, to his personnel that's why you're a hall of famer uh, and then his dad said I like it uh, I like it it's hard not to like and I trust the dudes on that staff there's some familiarity in everybody it's going to be uh, the Super Bowl every time you play it's going to be a movie every time you go out there that's where you typically excel when the stakes are high where the, there's bright lights there's cameras there's action you know what I'm saying it's like the Spike Lee section is full I think you know I think you show up in that I think you would have massive success there so you just you just dissect those quotes and you kind of align those with with the quotes that Xavier told me and how all he care he wants to get on the biggest stage all he cares about is playing on the biggest stage of of college basketball those two things go hand in hand and when you go when you kind of look on Cal's into things and how he wanted to construct this roster it just does feel like he feels like the Ashton Hagens of that group, the the fiery guy that's going to get up in your face on the defensive end of the floor, somebody that's going to, you know, attack the basket and go through you, not around you, you know, that, that just kind of feisty dog mentality that Ashton Hagens brought. You know, yeah, there were a lot of flaws with Ashton Hagens game, but in his game, but his first year he helped lead Kentucky to an elite eight and his second year UK was in position to make a deep run in the tournament before uh, you know, before that season got, got the, the post, the postseason got canceled. So it just, it just feels like he would be that Ashen Hagen's edition. Ty Ty Washington would be your Emmanuel quickly. And then you look at all the other pieces around him. It, it just feels like a, a, a pretty damn complete roster when you look at it from top to bottom. And I think that's what Cal's going for. You know, I, I'm, yeah, I'd like to think that there is, a whole lot of uh, fire where there's smoke with this one. And I think that uh, it would be naive to think that Kentucky is um, not a very serious player in this recruitment. 
And I, I think it's definitely something to keep a close eye on. I don't want to say it's a done deal. Nothing can happen. It's yes. you know, finalized, but it, it feels like, it feels like that's where we're going with this. It feels <laughs> like that's the, like that is Cal's end goal. And I, I do think that our backcourt's going to be finalized by the, by the end of the weekend. I do. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like if you have Kentucky over here on one side, the pendulum swinging in Kentucky's way right now, like all the buzz that I heard, like I said, I, I called you last night. I told, I texted you. I said, I've, I've got some big time scoop. And you didn't expect for me to call and tell you that Wheeler was the scoop that I had. I mean, obviously. No, I, was, I was expecting, I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, to be honest. I, I, I really, I really don't. And, and, we, don't and, and we will admit, right, when we first talked about it, we questioned it. Yeah. Like we just, because it's one of those things, because we couldn't see it. I guess when I first mentioned it to you, we were like, how does this work? You know, like we thought we've been so caught up in the Marcus cars. We've been so caught up in all those options at point guard for Kentucky that I really don't think, Jack, that we – even though Kentucky's been on this list, that we re- that I never really considered it until the last two days. But I just think that Kentucky cannot afford to be left standing at the altar. Yes, You cannot be sitting here in June – looking for an experienced point guard and get Ty Washington, get Xavier Wheeler, and you start to like what Kentucky's doing. Like I said, I'm going to hold off on expectations because I want to wait and see what happens. I, I don't even know if I'll even put out expectations before the first exhibitions and stuff. I want to kind of see what this roster looks like, Jack, because we're coming off a 9-16 and 16 season. Sure. So I don't want to get too far ahead and say that Xavier Wheeler and Tata Washington's an Elite Eight National Championship Final Four backcourt, but it's certainly a step in the right direction, and it's better than the backcourt Kentucky just had. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's a step in the right direction because you have shooters. I mean, look at the pieces, Jack, if this works out. Like, Xavier Wheeler, to me, he's not like – I mean, we're not talking like the elite-level point guards Kentucky's had. He's actually like a different – like breed of Kentucky point guard if he comes to Kentucky. Like Kentucky hasn't – I mean, Tyler Ulis was small, but the way he plays is even so far different than the way Tyler Ulis played. And he plays so – like significantly different than other U.K. guards have. But the reason I actually think that this works is just because of those other pieces that Kentucky's had. Now, if Kentucky would have went and got athletic wings that cannot shoot the basketball – this would be a horrible, horrible. Move. <laughs> it would be a horrible move. But horrible. you've went and you've got guys who were throwing darts from the three-point line and have been throwing darts with C.J. Frederick and Kellen Grady for multiple years of college basketball. We know what Dante Allen can do. We saw what Ty Ty Washington can do. I'm not afraid to say that I was wrong a week ago when I was talking about how much that I wasn't a fan of it. I wasn't a fan of it until I finally – bought into maybe just maybe John Calipari is not going out and getting the best. He's going out and getting the best fit for what his roster needs. And that is something I don't think Cal has really done, Jack. He's, he's went and got fits for the program as far as personalities and the way that, you know, kids handle themselves. But I think at times Cal has loaded up on just getting athletes, athleticism, not really thinking that it could kind of counteract. This one, it seems like this roster is being pieced together. This puzzle piece has this turn, this turn, it fits right here. And we're, and I just think that it's all coming together. And they're literally constructing this roster, not just on what they want, more on what they need. 
Yeah. And I think the only thing that could really change the trajectory of all of this and like the timeline of events and, and everything is, is Jaden Hardy. I think he's a guy that is obviously Kentucky's number one priority. He is that UK is going to go down fighting until they, he physically says, leave me alone. I'm not coming to Kentucky. Cal is going all in on him and making sure that he is added. So if, if he's given the go ahead and you and look, you make room for him no matter what. You take both Wheeler and uh, and Ty Ty, and if Hardy's ready to commit, you say, "Sorry, guys, you know if you want to, you know, change a plan or whatever, or uh, you know if Davion Mintz doesn't feel comfortable coming back, or you know whatever the case is, or you know a uh, uh, Dante Allen or somebody you know changes his mind and says I need to you know explore my options or whatever." that you you take his commitment now and you figure it out later if if Jaden Hardy is 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 ready to turn down the G League and surprise the world and, and end up at Kentucky um and there I mean there there has been just a, a hint of buzz and I'm not going to buy into it like I said in the in yesterday's episode uh everybody I talked to at the Iverson Classic said just don't even get your hopes up for it he's going to the g league just accept it for what it is yes kentucky is trying to change his mind and you know cal has pulled a rabbit out of his hat you know every once in a while over the course of his career so you just never know but don't build up you know everybody i talked to said don't build up the expectation it's it's very very unlikely to happen and that until something changes on that front i'm going to to stay with that expectation and and assume that he's going to end up at the g league but that is somebody that could could definitely throw a wrench into plans and at least push other decisions back or, you know, just kind of just change the trajectory of everything really. I mean, that's, that's the one thing that could kind of change things up. But as of today, as we are currently sitting here uh, on Tuesday afternoon, I I think that we're, we're starting to get a a very strong idea as to what next year's roster is going to look like. And I think it's pretty, pretty damn, uh, big sigh of relief after going into the month of May with no point guards committed well, on the roster. Like a week from now, we might actually be able to sit down and discuss what this roster looks like. Yeah. Just, you know, minus Keon Brooks. It, it kind of feels like that that's going to be the final decision there. And if, and if Brooks goes elsewhere, Jack, I, Kentucky will be looking for a forward, I think in the, in the portal, but from the buzz that we've gotten lately, it, it seems like Kentucky's going to have a string of good news here. You you already had it with Frederick. You had it with the coaching staff. We're expecting the backcourt to get that good news. And then what we heard about Keon Brooks a few weeks ago, that it was certainly leaning towards a return to Kentucky. Uh, could we see Keon Brooks put his name in the draft and just test the waters kind of like Davion Mintz is doing? I wouldn't rule that out. But at the same time, it kind of feels like the longer this thing goes on, it's going to be more of a just, hey, I'm coming back. Yeah. And it might, and it might be – when this roster is finally set and Keon gets a look and says, okay, is this all, is this, is that it for the attrition? You know, is there anything else that's going to move here? And he clearly sees that his role is there. His spot is there. And we'll, we'll see. I just, I think we're, we're finally getting closer. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something to uh, be excited about after just so much uncertainty and back and forth and, uh, un- and unanticipated transfers and just, I mean, it's just been a crazy off season for more reasons than one. And 
uh, it's, it just feels good to kind of get some, some level of clarity going into um, the next couple days, next week or two. And uh, it, it feels like we're at least getting, getting somewhere with all of this. Um, so we'll, we'll end it there. I know we have, you know, other work to do and we'll obviously keep you guys updated as we hear more. Um, we just wanted to jump on real quickly and, and just kind of put, put something out there to, so you guys always know what, what the absolute latest is. So you're not just, you know, listening to yesterday's episode and assuming that that's the latest and greatest information. Got to keep our fans up to date and uh, as always entertained. So Sean, I appreciate you joining in and having fun with me. Uh, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam-packed Sources Safe podcast. We will see you then. Yeah.